Right to be read podcast, episode number one hundred and two. Interview with Peter Shankman. Hey, authors! Wish you could just write books and forget about all this marketing and coordinating with freelancers and formatting and proofreading and stuff. You're not alone. It's every artist's dream to just be able to create art while turning over the whole business and marketing side to someone who really loves and is really great at doing just that. If you're ready to start treating your writing like a business and get an experienced publishing and marketing team behind your words, pay a visit to Archangel Inc. Archangel Inc. does absolutely everything needed to take a manuscript and turn it into a finished product, ready to sell in all markets and multiple formats, from cover design to audiobook and everything in between. And as an Archangel Inc. client, you'll be able to promote your book through Buck Books, the world's fastest-growing book promotion website, at no extra charge. To find out more, go to www.archangelinc.com. That's archangelinc.com. You are listening to the Right to Be Read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Right to Be Read podcast, the podcast that inspires and encourages writers. I'm your host, Danny Alexander, and I don't know about you, but I'm really, really happy that the summer is finally here and that it's sunny and hot and nice. This means that I will have my energy and productivity levels up, which sort of may help you too, because I might come up with more content and I might have more things things to share with you. As for today, we have a really, really special guest today because I'm having an interview with Peter Shankman. The New York Times has called him a public relations all-star who knows everything about new media and then some, while Investors Business Daily has labeled him crazy but effective. Peter Shankman is a spectacular example of what happens when you merge the power of pure creativity with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and a dose of adventure and make it work to your advantage. So, an author, entrepreneur, speaker and worldwide connector, Peter is recognized worldwide for radically new ways of thinking about customer service, social media, PR, marketing and advertising. But before I welcome Peter, I would like to apologize for the quality of the audio because this is what happened while we were talking. Sorry, like I said, they're doing construction right outside, right outside the window. It's, they're building a building uh, right across from my okay. building. I hope right. I'll be able to edit those noises out. So. Sorry about that. Oh, it's okay. I'll let them finish. And <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, okay. it's been going on like this for a week now. Oh my God, that's terrible. <laughs> so once again, apologies for a bit of noisy episode this time. But, you know, I did my best to clean things up and hopefully it won't annoy you too much. Well, let's head over and start. Well, hello, Peter. Thank you very much for coming over to the podcast. I really appreciate having you here. No, glad to be here. Thank you. Well, I was very, I mean, uh, of course, everyone knows who Peter Shankman is, but I kind of, I, I looked through different things and uh, I was amazed actually to come up with the fact that 
you are B licensed skydiver with over yep. 400 jumps. It's, uh, do, do you think that this, um, I don't know, I mean, love for adrenaline and risk taking is something that uh, maybe had impact on your success? Uh, I think so. I think that, you know, a lot of it, there's a difference between taking risks and taking calculated risks. Calculated risks are things that could work, could not work, but you have a little more awareness of how they're doing. Um, for me, I, I believe that a calculated risk is, is, is worth doing. And so I am a, uh, I'm a fan of a calculated risk. So uh, apparently, uh, taking those calculated risks wor worked really well for you, and you yeah. had uh, a big success in different areas, and uh, you did many things, you created companies, you sold them, you actually f were the founder of uh, Help a Reporter Out, which was a huge initiative and, and something that kind of changed many things and helped people out a lot. So um, you being such a successful person uh, why did you decide to actually also write books because you could get along without that too I guess so what made you want to write books I think for me it was really about the ability to share my stories and tell people what was going on and, and offer maybe a little bit of advice or help on, on how things were uh, you know uh, what was going on in the world Okay, so uh, what was your experience with writing your very first book? Wh which were the biggest challenges and uh, did you have any writer's doubts in place back then? Uh, I mean, how was the process for you? Well, for me, the biggest, the biggest uh, uh, difficulty in writing the books is that I'm, I don't have the greatest attention span. So I tend to uh, have to focus really, really hard to get it done. So I, I tend to uh, uh, sort of lock myself into a room and just, uh, and just write. I don't have a. I don't have any other choice. Mm -hmm. I see. And after the first book was out, how did you feel about that? I mean, uh, what what happened? Were you from those writers who kind of check the statistics and see how many copies were sold, or you were waiting for emails from readers, or how did you address that part? Like you you pushed the publish button, it was out, it was there. What happened next? Yeah, for, I mean, for me, it was, you know, my first book, I didn't really know uh, what was going to happen. It sold a few copies, and, and, you know, every book has done a little bit better since then. Um, I think that, you know, if you, if you keep staring and trying to figure out um, how they're doing, you know, every day you'll go crazy. So I just tend to write the book, publish it, then forget about it. And then uh, from there, I, uh, I just, uh, maybe I'll check every six months or so. Okay, so do you do anything related to those? I mean, you, you just publish them and forget them or you work on the marketing of those books and do some things in order to make sure that uh, more people know about that? Well, I do a lot of, of marketing in the books for my, um, for speaking. They're great, they're great to, uh, books are great to get speaking gigs. And so I, I focus a lot on writing the books to help um, to help uh, improve or, or get me more uh, speaking uh, uh, gigs. That to me is a great way to, uh, to utilize the book sales. Mm -hmm, I see. So, so basically the book uh, also, besides uh, the sharing your story through the book, it's also partly kind of a small component of the follow-up business, I guess. Correct. Okay, I see. It's, yeah, it's a, great, it's a great way to just get your name out there and continue to promote who you are and what you're doing. 
Okay. Do, do you think that there is a certain thing in people's psychology that when they see a published book and they see the author, it adds up to author's credibility as an expert? Yes. No question about it. Okay. So. No question about it. As, as, you, as you, you know, if you're a published author, people definitely take you a little more seriously. Okay, I see. And um, let's let's talk a bit about your latest book, The Zombie Loyalists. Uh, I guess the subtitle kind of describes it pretty well, saying that it's about using great service to create raving fans. And uh, I I think no matter what you do, uh, everyone would love having raving fans. So um, let's say self-published authors, how should they start from the very beginning if they don't have anything in place yet? They are, it's their very first book. What are the steps one should take in order to start creating this fan base? Um, I think the best thing they could do is really uh, offer help, you know, whether it's a webinar, whether it's something that, something that, that allows... Uh, them to show what they do and how they do it without um, coming across as uh, as self-promoting, but uh, you know, offering some help that they will uh, uh, they can get value out of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see. And do do you think that uh, I mean the problem with this is uh, you can offer um, help to people who already know about you somehow. I mean, what's this issue with the visibility in that case, because you may be willing to provide value and to help people out, but those people may not be knowing about you at all. I think that, that as you start to create, um, uh, as you start to create value, uh, people will notice it. And if it's good, people tend to share it, you know. So they will, you're, if you're doing great things, they will, they will tell what's going on and they will share that. Okay, so um, I guess the the starting step should be finding ways to provide value and to create content that has value for people and then do it consistently enough to get that uh, attention at a certain point. Correct. Okay, I see. And also, uh, I noticed we, we had this uh, about the tweet you had in 2011, which was selected by Twitter as a top 10 tweets of the year. And it was selected out of 160 million tweets sent. So since we, we are talking now, uh, it's a podcast for writers, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that it's very interesting how to come up with just 140 characters that will stand out of 160 million tweets. How did you do that? I think the best thing you can do is know your audience, understand what your audience wants, and, and, and you know, if you can create something that gives them, that makes them feel like you're actually listening and you're actually on the same wavelength as them, they have a, uh, uh, you'll, you'll do better that way. People will, um, will uh, want to hear what you're saying and they want to, they'll want to share your information. Oh, and it's quite difficult. It takes time. And what else one has to have in order to be able to understand the audience? I mean, how do you actually initiate that very first engagement with the audience? Yeah, I mean, it's actually not that hard. You know, you, you want to... People tend to uh, like things that are similar to them. So as you start to create things, people will see what you're doing and they'll start to follow you. 
um, just remember that it's all about your audience. It has, you have to be focused on your audience and you have to give them sort of what they want. Having an audience is a, is a privilege. It's, it's not a right. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Having a it's a privilege, not a right. Yeah, absolutely. So um, how would one go with uh, finding his own audience? I mean, uh, what's the direction? Do you usually kind of think that the right way is to come up with a type of audience you want to reach out to and to have around you and then start creating content that is relevant to them? Or you'd rather kind of be true to yourself and write about things you're passionate about and then the audience which is also interested in those topics should come to you i mean which, which approach is best to start with you know if you write about things that are interesting to you that's important because people will wind up you know you'll, you'll be more passionate about the writing and uh people want to see uh, who who <sighs> As you write that stuff and as you create it, if you're passionate about it, people will follow it and they will see what you're doing and they will be, uh, that's, where, that's where they'll start to follow you is if they really see your passion. Mm -hmm. I see. And uh, many have this problem. I mean, many of the writers I, I've been speaking to, uh, they kind of tell me uh, the, the space like the internet is so crowded and there are so many people out there creating so much content and there is so much noise around that it's very difficult to kind of stand out. So what are like, you know, what should one look for and what should be the differentiating point? What should one think about in order to come up with something that will be noticeable in, in that huge volume of content out there? Well, you know, you have to figure out what your audience wants, you know, and that, that comes from understanding who they are. And, uh, you know, people tell me, uh, they say, um, oh, how do I get, um, you know, how do I become, how do I find my audience, how do I know my audience more? I can't tell you that. The only thing I can tell you is that you have to... Um, learn from them and learn about them. Once you're able to do that, uh, then you can give them the information they want. But, you know, you have to understand them to understand how they like to get their information and what they want before you start putting it out there. Um, the best way to do that is simply to listen to them. Mm -hmm, I see. And uh, actually, how important do you think is uh, opening up as a person, kind of, you know, in all that noisy space, in all those social network channels, uh, how important is how much you show your true self and how much you share about your uh, personality out there? Uh, I think it is important. You do definitely have to show yourself and show who you are. And um, you, have, you have to be willing to be open. Mm -hmm. And is is that, I mean, uh, many people kind of, you know, uh, due to different reasons, uh, maybe they're like introverts or maybe they are just not used to opening up and, and showing themselves and putting themselves out there. Uh, is there any way to kind of those who are not very comfortable about that to learn maybe slowly getting used to it? Um, just, you know, start with the basics. Start by introducing yourself. Start by saying what you find interesting, what you like, things like that. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to uh, go, you know, full naked in the first five seconds, you know, just uh, start talking a little bit. And uh, over time, you'll, you'll find that comfortable balance. 
Mm-hmm. I see. And what about um, when we look at social media? We have so many options around. I mean, and, and most of them are so different. Uh, many people feel kind of overwhelmed in terms of, you know, when once they get online and, you know, many writers uh, might be writing their books without being uh, having online presence yet. And once they realize they need to and they get into that, they feel overwhelmed and don't really know which channel to pick, where to start and what to do. So what would you advise those people? I mean, wh- what do they do in, the, in this case? Find one channel and um, start with it. You know, find out where your audience is, use that channel, and focus your energy on that only. From there, you can continue to grow, but you want to start and have one basic thing you're good at, and from there you can continue on. Okay, so just pick one channel and go with it until you're really good at it, and then only start diversifying into others? Correct. Okay, I see. And what about when you're having your books out there and you're getting your speaking uh, engagements from them and you're getting your story out and you're having readers uh, providing feedback to that book and getting in touch with you about those? How do you feel about the feedback? I mean, how much um, importance and role do you put on the feedback you're getting from readers? Do you go ahead and maybe change and modify things based on that? Or, you know, how is your approach when you're getting, let's say, a criticism or a praise or things like that from people? How do you approach that? Um, for me, it's, uh, I take everything I get into immediate account. I listen to what people are saying. I listen to, uh, how they, you know, what, what, what they're looking for information. Sometimes I go into a conference before I'm supposed to speak and I don't wear a name tag and I just talk to people who don't recognize me and I ask them what they're hoping to get out of the conference. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Great. And uh, and that is, I guess, the way of when you repeat it several times that it's about knowing your audience. So that's that's one of the ways to go ahead and and see and know about your audience better. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Yeah, learning learning your audience is, is, again, the most important thing. If you can go into a talk and you can talk to your audience and, and they feel like they're really connecting with you, you know, you're making a much better, you're having a much better uh, communication than you would be otherwise. So how much time are you spending engaging with your audience? Um, every speech I do is all about engagement. Everything I do is, is about talking and communicating and coordinating and, and making sure my audience knows me and listens to me. Um, yeah, every, I, it's, it's a nonstop process. It's every day. And what about social media? Do you spend too much time there? I spend a lot of time on social, yeah. It's uh, definitely part of what I do. Um, you know, but again, it, it, it's just one arrow in the quiver of, of marketing and promoting myself. So how do you uh, stay, um, I mean, how, how do you manage to get the balance in, in between uh, personal interaction, in between creating stuff, in between being online and, and the speaking engagements and your businesses and everything together? How do you manage to stay productive and how do you manage your time? Um, I have a great assistant and I also have a... Uh, uh, I set up very important, um, uh, rigid standards for myself. Uh, I have, you know, when you have ADD, it, it's very important to set up, set up protocols and standard operating procedures and things you do uh, every day to make sure that you're 
not losing focus. It's very important to not lose focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. And when we go back, like from the to the very beginning, let's say, uh, do you remember that point, like that period when you realized that things started working for you finally, and you know you're really getting closer to where you would like to be? Where, when, and uh, what kind of you know, situation you were at when you realized that, aha, uh-huh, this is it. It's, it's, it's going forward. You know, I think every day you just got to keep hustling and keep moving forward. And, you know, if, if at the end of every day you feel okay, I did a little better than the day before, then, you know, that's a win. That's successful. Mm-hmm. And when you, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I have a feeling that everyone has those periods when uh, for a certain time uh, you don't really see the immediate results. So it's kind of, you know, you are moving forward slowly, but you don't really see results, tangible results you, that could encourage you. So you kind of, you depend on your self-motivation. So in those periods, what keeps you moving forward? What helps you out most? Um, I think for me, it really is just, the ability to keep working and keep trying and keep, um, you can't go backwards. You have to keep moving forward somehow. Okay. And, and in the periods when you don't see the results and you keep moving forward, do you keep um, the same direction or you pivot or you, I don't know. I mean, wh- how do you realize whether the results are not there because it's not the time yet? It's too early to see the results, or uh, it's simply because you're doing something wrong. How, how one could could understand which case it is? I think at the end of the day, you have to learn whatever you're doing. You have to understand what you're doing, how you're doing it, and how you can improve it. Um, and occasionally, there comes a time where you have to say, "Okay, you know what? I've done my best. It's not working. It's time to move on." And there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with saying, "Okay, you know what? This isn't working. It's time to do something new." Okay, so it, it's not really, I mean, many people feel like they failed, but it's not really that way, right? So No, fa- failure is great. I love failure. Failure is great because it, keeps, it, it teaches you um, how to improve. I love failure. I'm, I'm a huge fan of failure. Okay, so you, you, every failure kind of, you know, uh, leaves a lesson and teaches you something? Is yep. that it? Yeah, totally. You know, if you... If you uh, if, if, Show me someone who hasn't failed. I'll show you someone who's never really tried. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. So, uh, uh, d- did you have many failures in life? Oh, yeah. Everyone does. I have no problem with failure. Failure is a good thing. Failure means that you're actually trying to do something, working your ass off. I, I, I'm a big believer in failure. And is there something which is not directly related to your work but helps you with achieving big and successful results in your work? Um, exercise. Exercise. Uh, yeah, the, the, I find that when I exercise, it, it helps me uh, get back in focus. Okay, so, so we do need to kind of to have something like, you know, being at work and doing work all the time might eventually give uh, much worse results than taking a break and kind of, you know, doing something else. Yep. Okay. No I see. Uh, so let, let's talk about uh, help a reporter out in that case. I was just wondering, how did you get this idea? And how did it started with a Facebook group, right? Mm-hmm. That is correct. So how, uh, how did you manage to, to make something so big later on from just a small Facebook group? 
uh, again, word of mouth, it really just started growing and, and people started using it. And the more it started building, um, people seemed very into it. It was uh, pretty amazing how, how, how quickly it, it, it grew, but it, it, definitely, uh, it definitely blew up. It was pretty exciting. So how did you come up with the idea? Uh, I, I know a lot of reporters and they asked for help. And um, I wound up having to you know, put these two people together, connecting them. And uh, over time, that just turned into what it was. It, you know, it was never planned, mm -hmm. um, but it really, it really became something big. Okay, so can we say that regardless what you're doing, actually, if you really listen to your audience and if you see the opportunity and take this calculated risk of just, you know, doing that thing, chances are big that that thing will kind of grow and, and big, uh, bring good results. No question about it. Yep, big believer in that. So that's that's basically like the the basic. I mean, if you, if you really simplify things, that's what it comes back to. Always, yep, always. Okay, so um, what about when your your books? When you wrote your first book, did you have this dilemma about self publishing and traditional publishing? How did you approach that part? No, my first book um, was was uh, the company that um, published it actually reached out to me and asked me, he said, hey, do you want to write a book? Um, and so uh, I was sort of like, okay, well, that's easy. And then uh, that's, you know, it, it's kind of nice when they come to you. It makes it a lot easier. Uh, okay, yeah. And was it like, did you imagine it uh, the way it was or it appeared to be harder to write a book or easier than you thought? It wasn't, it wasn't difficult. The only, the only real key was just to... Um, to make sure that I, uh, you know, actually constantly took the time to do it. You know, to, to again for me and my uh, my uh, ADD, you know, it's you tend to forget stuff like that. So for me, it was just about making the time, making sure I actually got everything done as it was supposed to happen. And later on, the other books, uh, all of them have been traditionally published, or you self-published eventually? No, nope, they've later. all been published by publishers. They've all been okay. And uh, what's I mean? Are you happy with that process? It it kind of it takes off most of the things you need to do, I guess. Yeah, it is what it is. You know, it's not great. It's not terrible. You know, the publishing business is a business. It's not the greatest business, but um, it is what it is. So you know, you wind up uh, you wind up doing um, the best you can and getting the best information you can and, and trying to get the best deal you can. And, you know, it's rigged, to, it's rigged to make sure that publishers make more money than you do, but it is what it is. You know, you do the majority of the work, but it's, it's still worth it. And many who kind of, you know, who, who are advocating self-publishing, uh, the biggest thing they say is that traditional publishers don't really do a lot in terms of marketing your book and you could do it better. So what, what was your experience? Were you involved yourself as well in the marketing of the book or you kind of... Oh, yeah. I wrote a huge, uh, I wrote a huge um, website for it. Um, no question about it, yeah. Okay, so you, so you had kind of partnership in that respect. You did it together and you had good results. Correct. Okay, I see. Okay, and... Um, when we, if we get back to um, newbie authors, let's say, and especially someone, um, since you're you're kind of you know um, you have a big expertise in in the PR sphere, 
what in in respect of PR, what an author should make sure that he does uh, in order to have a certain uh, success with his books? What is that something that one shouldn't forget in that respect? At the end of the day, remember that um, remember to be humble. Remember to be. Uh, you have to have humility. You have to understand that you know you're not as um, as great as you think you are. You know, stay humble. Uh, never believe your own press. Yeah, and I guess that would be uh, much better perceived than uh, you know if you end up just saying what you think if you think too much of yourself. <laughs> yep, exactly. You need to. You need to. Uh, you need to stay humble. Okay, and. When we go back to your large audience, uh, what were like, you know, it grew eventually with the time, it grew with all the engagements you had, with all the interactions you had and and all the valuable content you put out there. Uh, So which were like the elements and the components of the things you did which helped you most and you had best results with gaining new audiences? I think for me it was about um, coming up with stories that the that the um, that the audience relates to. You know, things that they understand. Uh, you know, for customer service, it's the concepts of little things. You know, how we're treated in stores. Everyone has those experiences. Everyone can relate to those experiences. So it's about keeping those experiences um, uh, understandable for your audience. Mm-hmm. Like. Real life examples. Exactly, your things that they'll life. relate to. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I see. And how long did it take for you to get where you are? Like in terms of time, uh, how, how many years? I'd say since I was I started doing this stuff in '98, so '98 to '15, almost 20 years, eight, 17 years. 17 years. Okay. And do do you think that? Uh, I mean, was there something that you wished you started doing earlier? I think for me it was really just about I wish I'd had more faith in myself in the beginning um, and, and believed in myself more. Okay, so in that case, if, if someone was in your position and we have someone, let's say, who doesn't believe in himself, um, what is that? I mean, not everyone has that person or those people around who could encourage and kind of, you know, put him back into track. What is something that could help eventually that person? <sighs> I think the, I think the goal is to understand that your every day is a new chance to reinvent yourself. Every day is a new chance to create something better. Um, that's the goal. Okay, so once you started believing in yourself, things started moving faster. Yeah, definitely. You need to believe in yourself. No one else is going to. Okay, uh, but the the funny thing is, but once you start believing in yourself, you know, everyone else starts doing the same. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I don't know. A- any any last advice to people out there who are just starting, who eventually would like to get where you are, who are looking forward to this journey and uh, are a bit lost? Uh, the what- goal is just to have fun. At the end of the day, the goal is simply to have fun. Have a good time in what you're doing. Enjoy it and have fun. Enjoy the process. Yeah. 
Okay, that that sounds great. Well, thank you very much for the interview. Thanks a lot. I I mean, I hope uh, it wasn't very. I mean, I was a bit distracted, so I wasn't really at my best today. Ah, but... <laughs> okay, thank you very much. All right, my pleasure. Take care. Bye. Well, it seems like that was it for today. Thank you very much for listening to this show. Please subscribe on iTunes to the podcast to make sure that you don't miss any episode and to help me grow the podcast and have more people get encouraged and inspired by listening to it. Very, very soon, actually on July 1st, is the one-year anniversary of the Right to be Right podcast and I'm uh, preparing surprises and really cool things coming up for July 1st so keep tuned and very very soon I'll be sharing all the things I've planned for you for the one year anniversary of the podcast so take care have a nice day and I'll meet you in the next episode